Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today it is Coach Andrea and I once again for another Q&A. Andrea, fill us in on how your week has been going and anything new happening with you. My week has been really good. Um, Max is two weeks post-op, so he got to go on a very short walk this morning just down to the neighbor's house and back. <laughs> um, so that's that's good. He's healing up really well. Um I got my labs back and I got my Dutch test back. So that was really cool to look through. Labs looked really good. There was just a couple of things like platelets are low. Um, I believe it's RDW, the one that um, indicates low B vitamins. And mm-hmm. basically what we've found is just like I undermethylate. So okay. my B vitamins are not very, like absorbing very well. And so okay. do, doing what they're supposed to do. And so we added in, um, just a bit of lithium to help nutrient transport. Just like lick a battery every morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one lick twice per day. And so that, and just a couple other changes that we saw from the the Dutch test. So that was really cool to look through the cortisol rhythm looked great. Like it was right in, in where it's supposed to be cortisone, which is at oh shoot yeah, cortisol converted to cortisone yeah they, well they right. convert back and forth between the two like they can go both ways um but it's it's active or inactive i'm forgetting now which is which um but, but cortisone was was low so yeah. i guess that could be either from the um i don't want to say hypothyroid but like low thyroid uh, numbers that I've had for a while, or it could be like an HPA access thing. So we just are addressing that. So basically I can't diet just yet (laughs) because my stress resilience would not be where it needs to be in order to get into it. So a little bummed about that, but I want to do it the right way and like have the best experience possible with it rather than just like digging this hole back to where it was previously. And I definitely don't want to do that again. Um, but then there's also, it shows the like estrogen metabolism, testosterone metabolism, and like different pathways that they, those can go down, which is really interesting. Um, my, I have a, quite a bit of breast cancer in my family and the, the one that is, um, it showed the, the metabolic pathway that estrogen can take that is supposed to be low or else it could indicate higher breast cancer risk was actually high out of the range. So that is not surprising to me. So I'll probably, um, continue to take dim basically forever because of that. Um, so it was just really super interesting to see. Yeah, that is, that is super interesting. It's cool. You have all that data, um, past that, like where your thyroid markers in a good place. Yeah, they were, they were slightly low. They were in range, but just a little bit lower than I would like for them to be. Um, so I'm basically not changing anything. there. just going to continue making sure I salt everything really well. Um, the, the vitamin D that I take is also, it has an iodine in it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue with that. And then of course, just continue with like the lower volume training that I've been doing, not quite dieting yet. And that will help as well. Okay, absolutely. From where sex hormones in a pretty good place, also. If you don't, also don't want to yeah. talk about all of your. Oh no, lives. I'm. I don't mind at all. Because um, that yeah. was that was something you guys were addressing for a long time as well, right? Yeah, uh, progesterone is right where it needs to be. Estrogen, 
I believe was right where it needs to be. The ratio of the two could probably be better, but it looks much better than it did before. Mm-hmm. And testosterone is at 33, which is higher than it has ever been, which is Let's really go. cool. So you have um, seemed a lot more aggressive lately. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, if that got a little higher, I wouldn't mind that, but I, I'm also transitioning off of the, the testosterone boosting supplement that I was using mm-hmm. before. So yeah, everything is yeah. mostly looking good. That's super cool to hear. Again, I know it's been a long process and not necessarily an easy one, but it's cool to see like now how much that has paid off. Um, I'm excited to see like the results and the changes you see over the next year because of like laying this foundation for so long. Cool. And then of um, course, Natalie, coach Natalie was here on Tuesday. Can't forget that about my week. So we went and trained in a gym here, which I, I don't do a lot of knee flexion exercises. Like I do some like extensions, but I don't do much that works my quads very much. And we did a pendulum squat and I'm hurting really oh, bad this week. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? Why don't I? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, I mean, I have a, a leg press or mm-hmm. I, I'll go b- between like leg press hack. and yeah, I'll go between leg press and, um, split squats. So it's not like they don't get any work, but they're they're more it's not as deep uh, in the flexion exactly and they're they're a lot more glute more dominant, dominant too. Yeah. and yeah. i also don't push it close to failure normally which i did tuesday mm-hmm. now <laughs> so, for the listener also that's intentional right because yeah. of the phase that you're in and i like i have a client right now as well where we're focusing on like she's transitioning off of birth control we're just focusing on restoring a consistent cycle and that's very much like or like with many things like when we're focusing on like health improvements it oftentimes is like hey we want to make sure we're leaving three to four reps left in the tanks especially on our compound movement so just for the listener like not that you're incapable of pushing hard but rather it's something you're doing very intentionally yeah i've been at three to four or four to five reps in reserve for 10 months because of that but yeah if i was trying to build muscle in that i was if i was actively in that phase i would be pushing zero to one, zero to two reps in reserve for most things. Yeah, absolutely. I know when I was, when I, um, after my diet, Brandon and I spent like, uh, six to eight weeks, just at like three to four RIR. And I felt like that was so long. So kudos <laughs> to you for doing it in months. Um, from my end, I don't have nearly as interesting of updates as you do. Um, what well, I'm gearing up to go to Miami in a couple weeks here, actually, for what the Hybrid Health Summit, I believe it is. Oh, really? I didn't know you were going to that. Yeah. Um, Say hi to Shaq. Chris, <laughs> I know Shaq's <laughs> going to be there. Chris Bumstead is going to be there. Um, but what I think it's like Vince Pitstick. Um, I know is one of the speakers. I'm blanking on the other speakers, actually, but I think it'll be a cool... I think it'll be a cool lineup and then I'm uh staying with a friend Tristan. So that'll be a good time as well. But yeah, um basically just gearing up for that. Always great at waiting until the last minute to buy tickets and whatnot. So I actually need to get that figured out today. But I mean past that, like my training has been the same. We added in more food once again. So I am now doing pomegranate juice pre-workout as well which i know the nitrates and whatnot there will help with pumps i actually used to always do pomegranate juice as my intro workout but now i have like a whole half gallon of highly brand cyclic dextrin that i do intro workout already as you can see i'm still finishing so i'm slacking on that a little bit today so we're adding in more pre-workout but that's really like 
when we start to push carbs higher like this, like there comes a point where for a lot of people, it's like, it's a different mindset and it can all, it can be, and like, I know I've talked about the challenges with this a lot, but like, it's completely different because so many people come from this place of restrict, restrict, restrict for so long. And like the cycle of overeating and undereating. Whereas like, once you really focus on fueling your body, it is, I think people are often surprised, like on the day to day, especially when we're smart with nutrient timing and food choices and things of that nature, like how much food you can actually eat. Um, and really, like really how high we can ramp up carbs. And I have a couple of clients going through this as well, where like intro workout carbs, like in a liquid form, especially, I think are just such an easy way to ramp that up further. Um, but yeah, past that, man, it's just been a pretty normal week for me. I don't ever have very exciting updates <laughs> here. So um, before we get into the questions, let's just run through a couple clients that we wanted to shout out this week. So first of all, Shout out to Natalie's client, Chrissy, who's just been doing such an amazing job pushing herself at maintenance. Um, I know she's been hitting a ton of PRs. She joined the 100 Club on her deadlifts. Um, and really, she's just a, done such a good job, again, like working through the maintenance phase, understanding like deeper than just like always pushing for fat loss, but again, like the benefits of maintenance and how important that is and focusing on like relationship with food and things of that nature. It has really been cool to see her journey over the last, I think it's been six months now working with Natalie, like how much more confident she's been at like her ability to manage trips. I know she has a couple trips coming up that she's really going to like in a good position to just crush and manage extremely well. Um, from coach Julie, shout out to Abby Wheeler, who is also crushing it. So we were just talking about this on our team call, just seeing such an impressive body recomposition. She's, I think she's only like six to eight weeks in the process as well, but it's insane to see how much her progress of pictures have changed. Like her weight has been dropping at a good rate, but her progress pictures have just changed so much quicker than that still. Um, I know we were also talking about this, but she was just prepping for her ACFT test as she's in the military. And as of yesterday, crushed that as well. I know like a big part of their process so far has just been like prepping her for that. And I know that was something she was initially nervous about that she just killed it with that. So um, actually like got done a little bit. She like with her, I don't remember what the term for it was, but basically she like thought she was gonna have to do it again. And then she like did so well in her round she did yesterday that it's not something she's gonna have to take. So that's super cool to see. Um, from my end, I actually wanna shout out my client, Josh, who is actually Abby's husband. So husband and wife duo. Abby's working with uh, Julie and Josh is working with me. I've been working together just over 12 weeks now. And he's down 21 pounds. I shared his progress pictures in the Slack as well. But like the changes look like 21 pounds is a good chunk of weight to lose. But the changes still look so much more significant than that. Still, like he's built a bunch of muscle similar to Abby. Like his the body recomposition he's seen has been crazy. Like and he's very much like both of them have just done such a good job approaching this with the long game mindset of like, hey, I'm in this for the long, the long term. Um, so I'm excited to see like in another 12 weeks, the changes he's going to have seen are going to be absolutely insane. And the cool thing about that is in the midst of all this, again, it's only been 12 weeks, but in the midst of all this, we've gone through him getting deployed, right? So started with him in the US. Um, he was like in Texas for a couple of weeks. He was been deployed to Kuwait. And so we've gone through like all these different processes of figuring out like, okay, what do we like eat when we're, when you're on base? What does that need to look like when you're traveling? And it's been so cool. Just like how consistent he has been. Um, 
and really still like we've had him following something like a, a flexible meal plan basically but he's still tracking as well and like working as a flexible dieting from time to time but he's just done such an incredible job where like i think this would be the easiest time for um most people to just like well like my life is crazy right now i just got deployed i'm in a different country and just fall off but he's just gone the exact opposite direction which has been cool to see um what do you have that's awesome yeah i am going to shout out my client jenna she got started last may and we started out in a couple weeks of a primer phase um but she started out at 125 got into fat loss and she was in fat loss for a total of 18 weeks with a couple of diet breaks. And then of course those primer weeks in there, but she got to 116 at the end of her fat loss phase, um, went into maintenance and she's been maintaining since then. She's, she's been maintaining, but there have been a couple of like vacations and things like that. She's, um, kind of gradually, um, I guess we could call this maintenance plus <laughs> she's kind of gradually drifted up just a bit, just from increasing glycogen, increasing food volume and the GI and things like that. And so she started her, um, fat loss phase. What last week, um, the second she got started and she started out at 122 to 123. She kind of bounces between the two. Um, and she's a couple weeks in now she's at 120 and the coolest thing about this process is she, she was first of all, just ultra consistent through her fat loss phase. So it just went so well. She is someone that has a more rigid metabolism. So like we set her calories and just didn't really have to, to do much, um, in terms of pulling those down throughout, she just hit her numbers very, very consistently. And, um, was just like a rock star throughout that fat loss phase. But she also started training a few months in. So she hadn't really done very much structured hypertrophy training. And um, she's doing a group uh, group hypertrophy uh, training program and has gotten a lot stronger throughout that time. And so what we're going to be able to see at the end of this fat loss phase is she'll probably end up um, pretty similar, well, probably lighter than where she was at the, at the end of her last fat loss phase. Um, but just like a completely different physique because she's added muscle tissue, um, even at maintenance, just because it was a newer stimulus for her. So I'm really, really excited for her progress. Cause we're going to be able to look back at like a year ago. And then at this point and see like a completely different physique. That's so cool. Again, like I know we talked about this a lot with these client shout outs, but that like when you can get a year or more working with someone, it is so awesome to see the transformations they're actually capable of. Cool. Yeah. So shout out to you all. Um, keep up the great work. Let's go ahead and get into some questions here. Um, first one I had, I need to know how Andrea's pup is feeling and how Anigo <laughs> is doing this week. So it sounds like Max is doing pretty well. Yeah. He, we're, we're probably giving him a little bit more free range within the house than the vet would have prescribed. They said, don't put him in the kennel all the time, which of course, like that would be torture for him. Um, but, but keep him confined and he's just kind of moseyed around the house to wherever we are. He's such a Velcro dog. Like he will be right next to you wherever you're at. So he has been kind of walking around the house 
And I mean, his, his incision looks really good. He walks around really well. He'll kind of, if he tries to go a little faster, we have to like calm him down and he'll, he'll start to kind of hop with that leg up if he wants to go faster. Um, but yeah, like I said, he just started this morning, um, having the, the free reign to walk down the road to the neighbor's house and back. And then next week we can go two houses down. So, um, he, he still has his cone on full time because he's a liquor. And so he can't like, he's not allowed to lick his incision. Cause that could be, he could get like infected or something. Um, but yeah, he's, he's doing well. Good. I don't want to yeah. make this too much of a dog podcast either, but I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> to do. hear it. And Nigo's doing well. She is very gassy and very needy. Um, but she's doing great. Mm-hmm. Next up, how do you figure what mentorship or ships? How did you figure out what mentorships were right for you? Um, so I'll, I'll kick us off on this one okay. actually. First, shout out to my guy, Jake from Goose Performance, who asked this question. Great dude. Um, So really, whenever we've been choosing mentors or mentorships, I've always looked at who had either the skills or the results that we wanted to have, right? And also looking at like, what were our deficits? What were our weaknesses? Who was strong in that area that we could learn from, right? So like, I don't want to go too in-depth here because really what I would recommend is listening to the podcast that came out on Wednesday. So that would be the uh, March 15th um, where we talked very in depth on this, but like I use the example of like Cody, when I first like worked with him in 2018, it was because he was someone who had a coaching company, very similar to what I wanted to build. So, and I, he was someone who I like related to a lot. So I like could see like through what he had done, how I could do something similar, but I wanted to like get an inside look at how he had gone about building that kind of what things behind the scenes looked like. Or when I worked with Steve Hall, I wanted to have a better understanding of hypertrophy training. And really like if my goal was just to get as jacked as possible or help someone else get as jacked as possible, like how would I approach that? Or like when I started working with IFCA, um, I had really identified, like I knew how to work as a one man show, but I didn't really know how to lead very well. I didn't know how to build a team and like for us to truly be perceived as a team, as opposed to just like, cause I'd built like, and again, like this was around the time we were starting. We talked about this more on that previous episode as well. Um, so I really wanted to like see someone who had done that, who had built a team so well, where it wasn't just like one person as kind of like the front man, but rather again, like really be able to truly turn this into a team. So that was a big part of like why I work with them. Um, uh, Alex Bush, for example, I wanted to kind of go through a much different approach to program design than I had before. After those, like that year and a half of working with Steve, where it was just solely focused on hypertrophy, I wanted to kind of go the opposite direction from like the Renaissance periodization approach to like the N1 side of things and understand if there's anything I was missing and also better understand like how we use these training stimuli outside of like, is the, when the goal is just hypertrophy, right? Like what else can we do to focus on improving someone's health, for example? And like, how do we align the training stimuli with those goals? Um, or Brandon, I mean, we initially hired him for mentorship in 2021 because we identified the functional health side of things being a weakness for us right now. Um, since then, like he's someone I can, I've really identified, I can expand my knowledge in most every area. And then he also like very much like seeing the way he leads inspires me to continue to be as better as well. So I continue to invest in Brandon very consistently or like Jason Theobald again, like 
we just wanted to continue to like we we work through as a team okay where do we think our deficits are what's the biggest area that we need to improve and this is like where we're going next and so again that's like why we worked with jason theobald when we just wrapped that up to again get deeper into the functional health side of things so that's very much again i think it's just looking at what are my biggest deficits currently what are the areas i need to improve the most to help my clients more right like where seems to be like the gap for me currently because i think it's also often easy to just like keep going back to your weaknesses right because i would say like it would be initially it probably would have been more fun rather than like okay we're getting into functional health for us to do like let's like do another program design mentorship and then another one and then another one but again it's like are we actually going to be better helping our clients if we invest more in that versus like let's dig deeper into understanding labs and how we can address all these issues um do you have anything else to add there i don't really have a ton to add i would just say for um for newer coaches just like with nutrition there's a hierarchy of importance like your adherence your calories and your protein and so on like you don't start out with supplements probably don't start with very nuanced topics like the functional nutrition side of things start with the the big rocks and then from there you can further refine things because you're going to help more of your clients better by starting with those big rocks versus like well I know how to look at labs but uh, I can't get adherence so what do I do now that's a very good point and I will say like relative to our mentorship like we don't like take a deep dive into blood work it's much more so like programming nutrition adherence mindset and psychology how do we actually get results how do we make these things like your training your nutrition work synergistically how do we actually create a plan that's tailored to the individual in front of you and again like map this out for the longer term rather than kind of just feeling like you're throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks and i think it is very easy right to kind of skip that step as well um what do you have for me as far as questions Thoughts on heel elevated squats. Are they more optimal for quad hypertrophy? Yeah, um, I like heel elevated elevated squats for quads. I like a heel elevated anything. Um, So when we're looking at how do we train the quad for hypertrophy, what we know is we need to get a lot of knee flexion. So basically think bringing your hamstring very, very close to your calf or getting a lot of bend at the knee, right? So then within that, um, what that'll, like if we get to that position, like on a deep squat or a deep hack squat or a deep leg press within that, what, like if we can get that hamstring very close to our knee and get a lot of knee bend, we're going to really be able to lengthen the quad, which is going to be very stimulative for quad growth, right? And again, we know like training a muscle more in the lengthened or stretched position is probably going to be like, the biggest bang for our buck per set that we can get for hypertrophy. So the cool thing about like using heel elevation or like when it comes to achieving deep knee flexion, the thing to understand is typically ankle mobility is a rate limiter here, right? So what you'll see is people's ankles, ankle mobility won't allow enough dorsiflexion. So basically think the ability to drive your knee forward over your toe So we'll come to a certain point where like our ankle mobility starts to be the rate limiter. So for us to continue to go lower and try to chase more of that knee bend or knee flexion, rather than us actually driving our hips for our knees forward anymore, because again, we run out of ankle mobility, then to continue to lower, we have to like, we have to continue to create more movement and more bend at the hips and drive the hips back a bit further rather than being able to drive the hips forward as much. So what that does is 
it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it will shift more of the tension to your posterior, to your glutes versus the quads. Right. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It'll just be like a more balanced, like glute quad movement versus like more specific to glutes. So if we're looking at like most optimal and the goal is just hypertrophy. So again, like the context here is important because that's not necessarily a bad thing. If we just did like a normal back squat, um, we would get a good amount of quad and a good amount of glute. It typically wouldn't be like, well, probably I would say for a lot of people, it'd be a slightly better glute movement than quad movement because we'd be able to lengthen the glutes a little bit more than the quad, but it also depends on so many factors. But if we elevate your heels, what that allows you to do is that really allows us to make up for like a lack in ankle mobility that really allows you to drive your knees much further forward and get a lot more knee flexion but also that allows you to stay more upright, right? So then within that, as opposed to like having to be leaning forward more and kind of push our hips back further into the movement, us being more upright makes the stimulus more specific to our quads. And it's going to put, drive less of that stimulus and less of that tension to our glutes. Now, again, like this isn't necessarily a good or bad thing. If your goal is just like as a whole, I want like a stimulated movement for quads and glutes. Like a leg press is typically a good example of this as well. We're getting a lot of hip flexion and a lot of knee flexion pretty good movement for glutes, also pretty good movement for quads. Um, and very similarly for like a back squat, but once we go to heels elevated now, when we're looking at the stimulus to fatigue ratio, almost all that stimulus is going, is being driven to our quads, right? So if our goal is just like, I just want to really like focus on maximizing my quads and like not create a lot of fatigue in other tissues so that I can use more of my recovery resources and like more of my volume to drive towards my quads. Then because we're experiencing less stimulus in our glutes, that can be a good thing, right? Especially if it's like, man, typically like for me to achieve the amount of quad volume that I want, I have to like absolutely like smash my glutes alongside that in the process. Then suddenly that's a lot harder for us to recover from and actually within in certain instances, recover from and actually grow. So again, like that's not just specific to like a a squat, but also, I mean, we could look at something like a split squat, right? We're typically elevating that front heel will make that much more quad bias. So yeah, for quads, I'm a big fan of the heel elevation. Do you have anything to add there? I don't really think I have anything to add. You know, I was kind of like thinking things in my head as you were going along and then you kind of checked all those boxes. So I think we're good to move on. Yeah. Um, last one I have for you, when and how do you use refeeds with clients? This is, um, super case dependent. So refeed, first of all, is a period of time where you're going to bring your carbs up usually in, so always in in the context of a deficit. Um, so if you are, um, in like a 300 calorie deficit each day ish, then in a refeed, you would bring yourself up to maintenance, um, through carbohydrates. And the reason that you would want to increase carbohydrates is because they are going to do the most for your performance for, um, improving leptin for, um, filling glycogen stores. So you just get more bang for your buck by increasing your, your calories through carbs than anything else there. Um, I will use these with people who are a little bit more stress sensitive in a a fat loss phase. So people whose bodies tend to, um, tend to not, adapt to stress as well. So like, for example, using myself, 
having gone through this whole process, like my progesterone and estrogen and testosterone have been low. Um, some people are going to be able to diet, um, for like maybe a shorter amount of time, not really, um, have like too much adaptation there and then get back out of the deficit and be just fine. Um, some people probably ones who have dieted quite a bit in the past, or you've already worked on getting these things back in order. Um, then they're going to be more sensitive to it in the future. So you, um, can use a refeed, a couple of refeed days each week to, um, to prevent being like digging that hole quite as deep, so to speak. Um, another way that I'll use these is more infrequently. So rather than doing them each and every week for that type of person, um, doing them just every once in a while as sort of like a mini diet break just for adherence purposes. So we've got somebody going out of town, let's take a refeed. It's going to give you a little more flexibility with your food. And then we can get back to it afterwards. It's basically just a structured way of giving more flexibility in the diet. Um, and then I'll also use them for people who are getting to the point where they're pretty lean. Um, the leaner you are, it's kind of like the slower you have to take things because you're at more risk of muscle loss and, um, burning out just because you are digging down, uh, closer to the bottom of the barrel with fat, with fat stores in the body. So if you take refeeds more often, um, it's going to help a lot more with, um, the, the symptoms of dieting that low, but then also help boost training and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you really nailed it with most of those points. Um, I will say like, I used to use refeeds a lot because I thought from a metabolic perspective, they were going to be helpful. Now it seems like they probably don't do a lot to offset <laughs> metabolic adaptation, went through a phase where I hardly ever use them. And then I'll say, once again, I now use them more frequently. Um, so as you mentioned, first and foremost, like for someone who's deep in a diet, it's pretty rare that I like proactively have like a, Hey, X amount of days, like every X amount of days, we're going to take a refeed. I typically will use them a little bit more reactively in a diet. Um, and again, like this is more common as we're getting deeper in a diet and someone's getting extremely lean. We're starting to see like biofeedback really starting to suffer. So, Hey, maybe we're just experiencing poor training performance. Hunger is high. Motivation is low. Um, we notice just like a client is really struggling mentally within a check-in, a refeed or a couple day refeed can be a good tool there. We'll get typically a temporary reduction in hunger. We'll get an increase in training for performance and they'll just get better pumps like the next day after they like take the refeed. Um, which can really help psychologically and for us to continue to push through. And then past that, you also kind of alluded to this as well, but I think the idea of it kind of being a cortisol reset where again, if we give you like 24 to 48 hours of higher carbs and that kind of bring cortisol's level, cortisol levels down and helping us better manage the stress that your physiology is experiencing, I think that can also be very beneficial. So similarly for like higher stress individuals, um, which again, like the deeper we are in a diet, the, the larger that stress load is going to be as well. There's something that I use a little bit more commonly. Anything else to add there? No, I don't think I have anything else. Cool. All right. Well, that is what we have for y'all for this week. As always, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time.